And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. All right, so we have run full speed into the era of AI. At the end of 2022, sure, people were using AI for a lot of things that's been around, but then ChatGPT comes out, gets on everyone's radar. There's billions of dollars flowing in to AI startups and companies, but what do they need and what are they missing? It could be the human touch. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And before I introduce today's guest, today's episode of Startup Hustles, powered by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult and Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has the platform to help you manage the team. Go to Fullscale.io and learn more. There's a link for that in the show notes. If you're not aware, that's my company. We love talking to Startup Hustle listeners. So reach out. We might be able to help you solve some problems. Joining me today is Aaron Lee, and Aaron is the co-founder and CEO of Smith.ai, and you can go to Smith.ai. There's a link for that in the show notes, too, and learn more about what they do. I'm sure we'll talk all about that and more. Straight out of a little town in the Bay Area that no one, including me, has heard of, but probably should have, Los Altos, California, Aaron, welcome to Startup Hustle. Hey, thank you, Matt. Excited to be here. Yeah, and I'm, I'm interested in talking about this because I think that the blend of, of human and AI is a good mix. Now, before we get into that, how about a little bit about your backstory? Because Aaron, you've, uh, you've been on some impressive teams. Yeah, so um, Smith.ai is my second startup. And uh, before that, I started my company uh, called the Red Beacon, which is a uh, online marketplace to connect the homeowners with the home improvement professionals. And uh, we started like... I, distinctly remember in the month of the um, financial crisis that was in uh, 2008, uh, September. And back then, all the VCs are like, you know what, there's no money for you. We said, great, that means we could be heads down on execution. And by the time we launched in 2009, uh, we took the top price of TechCrunch. We raised like seven and a half million dollars in the first week. Like the VCs were pitching us, not the other way around. So uh, fast forward, we grew very rapidly and uh, we uh, launched to Nationwide and uh, Home Depot got noticed, knock on our door. In fact, they called our front desk receptionist and tried to reach us and, um, and the rest was history. And uh, we got acquired in early 2012, uh, became part of the Home Depot team. And today, if you go to any of the Home Depot store, you will see my work there. I think they rebranded it as Pro Referral. And uh, before that, I was a uh, early Google engineer back in uh, 2004, almost 20 years ago. I was one of the two founding engineers on Google Video, uh, building the video technology, massive storage. And uh, later on, when Google acquired YouTube, I joined the YouTube team, built the monetization, the search, 
video for Essence and all the great products. So um, on top of that, I'm also a uh, very uh, active startup investor, invested in early MongoDB, Facebook, NerdWallet, and a bunch of other startups. So you've done a couple things. Uh, a few things. So, yeah. uh, but really, I mean, like serving the SMB is like near and dear to my heart. Like that was happening both at the Home Depot and also at Smith.ai. So I don't have to explain this to someone with your level of experience, but you know, for those of you listening, if you want to build a great business, it needs to solve a problem that people want and need solved that has value. What's that problem at Smith? Well, the problem is if you look at like every day, right? If you need to have a home improvement project and you need to fix some things, you try to call someone from Yelp or from any other online kind of websites. When you call them, they don't pick up the phone. When you text them, they don't reply your text. You may leave a voicemail, they don't get back to you. And that is the problem because for the 30 million SMB, small medium business owners in United States, they have no time, right? The team is small. Typically, it's like less than 10 people. And they don't have a dedicated staff for customer support or customer engagement. And they really don't have the tech savviness, the know-how to build the CRM, to build like the, the fully dedicated customer support functions in order to meet the need of the demand for the customers. And it was very apparent when I was at Home Depot. Like every day, the pros, are, we call them the pros, um, they just couldn't meet the demand. They are the project owner. They are the uh, business owner. They are the, the one doing the work on your roof at your crawl space. And, but they also are the one doing the bookkeeping and everything else. Like they just don't have the time and money. Yeah, I ran into that. I'm you know, also the founder of, of gigabook.com, which is a scheduling platform. And I built that in a, in a similar way. I went to take my dog to the groomer and I had been calling and I kept calling, no one's answering the phone. I'm like, is this place even open? Now it was owned by a friend of mine and I figured they were there. So I went to drive over there anyway. And when I got there, I opened the door and the little bell jingled and I hear a voice in the back that said, I'm back here. And I went back and the lady was in the back washing this dog that was like my size and it was covered in bubbles. And so was she. And I realized why she couldn't answer the phone, but that offended my sense of business because here's the thing. Most people just pick up, they just hang up and they dial the next person on the phone, in the phone book, which it doesn't, isn't a real thing. If you're using the real phone book, please don't. Um, <laughs> but with that, you know, like it says on the, on the flat, that right here on the header at smith.ai, responsive businesses win more clients. And that is the truth. And I think that so many people, so many small business owners, I, I've just experienced this with Gigabook because if you talk about being able to schedule an appointment, or doing any of that, they're also like, you look at like a massage therapist, like a massage therapist can't stop providing services in the middle of the massage to go answer the phone. And if they did that, you probably wouldn't go back. So you got to find a, a way to do it. And yes, businesses in general are pretty bad about it. I think that also a lot of um, when you look at like what we'll call a blue collar type service provider, you know, a carpenter isn't usually also an expert at embedding a booking widget onto a website or something like that. So yeah, there's on the blue collar. If you think about lawyers, right? I mean, when yeah. they're in court, they cannot legally answer the phone, right? I mean, because it would be very disrespectful to the judge yeah. and to the jury. So these are many examples we 
we have so many different industries from like like property managers, real estate agents, um, like lawyers and like uh, general contractors. There's so many variety of the people that want to deliver that kind of very responsive. When people call you, you pick up the phone. When people text you, whether it's SMS or Facebook or web, web chat, they want to respond it. And in today's era, I think people are expecting that type of like instant gratification that when you ping someone, people will respond. Well, that's that Amazon effect. And, you know, Amazon, in my opinion, has been changing that for years, you know, and, 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 you know, now I order stuff, it's there the next morning or even the same day. And that that's really kind of boosted everyone's expectation for call and return time. And also there's just too many ways to communicate with people to not be effective at it. And yes, you are in fact losing a ton of business. If you aren't answering your phone, or just getting some method of record with that. Now, you know, what we're talking about is blending AI and a human touch. How do you guys do that? Yeah, so let's go back to like 2015, 2016. When we first started the company, we said, look, this is a gigantic market. This is a very underserved market. And the technology, which like both me and my co-founder, Justin Maxwell, we are technologists. We said, that's got to be a better way to do it. And we thought back then, the AI would be there in a few years. And boy, we were wrong for seven <laughs> years until I would say eight months ago when OpenAI launched the ChatGPT, right? That is when you see the groundbreaking game-changing rules when the large language model actually understand what you're talking about. They can actually respond in a very human way that is very different from all the AI technologies that we look at before. Like, by the way, we look at many different AI technologies from like the Google Dialogflow to Amazon Lex to IBM Watson. Many of them, they're still in the old stage of I call the rule-based system. You define the intent, you define like the variations of the, the, the different ways that you say things, and you come back with the response. And when you say the response, you actually need to map the response to in your scheduling software. It could be the date, could be the time, could be the reason for calling. It's very mundane. It's not scalable. It's definitely not like widely deployable to many of the businesses. And that was the time we say, wow, I mean, that was the game changing thing. But if you think about the background, we started with like having like AI being the core of the company. We do have a, um, a, a lot of AI technologies, but not at the scale that they can add the understanding of the human language. But in the past eight months, that has been changed. So when you guys go and do this for, let's just say I'm a carpenter, okay? And uh, I'm on a roof, I'm building a frame. I, I can't answer the phone. Um, there's specific questions that, I mean, do you guys go in and help tailor this for the actual, is that the true human touch? Like, because yeah, I, I think that a, an effective business owner um, that's done the business for a little bit, uh, you'll find that there's always like five questions or 10 mm -hmm. questions that everyone seems to ask. That would seem to me to be the logical approach for what we trained the AI to be able to answer that was a little unique. Um, you know, is that, is that how that goes? Yeah, that's exactly right. So if you look at like the way you talk to your, your Amazon Echo or you talk to your Google Assistant, you can talk about anything. You can talk about like, hey, play me my favorite song or like what's the weather tomorrow. But if you talk about like the B2C, right? Yes, we do have different industry playbook for different like verticals, like legal, real estate, uh, general contractor, carpenters. But 
in summary, in essence, they all fall into this bucket about, okay, are they the new clients? Do they qualify for my business? Like kind of like need, like meaning like, are they a good client for me? Are they too far away? Are they, are they, are they close enough? Is that the job that I wanted to do? For example, if you're a commercial painter, you don't want to do or you don't want to take any jobs that are residential painting because it's just not your, your area, right? Or there's jobs that are too small. You don't want to waste the time to drive like, you know, two hours. So these are the fundamental questions in the B2C we call lead qualification. Can we qualify the lead so that we save you as a business owner the time to qualify the lead, book an appointment, and schedule it on your calendar versus we like the traditional call center would just like take a message or transfer the call to you. So that is the biggest thing that when we do, we call it onboarding, we actually talk to you. We understand your business. Now we have done it like tens of thousands of times. So we know what kind of questions and we already handle millions of conversations. So we know what people are going to ask and we just turn around and ask, Hey Matt, like these are the questions that we need you to tell us so that our receptionist can be answering the question right away. So here, here's one of the things for those of you listening, and I, you know, for years of, of gigabook appointments and stuff like that, I will tell you that once for most people that are calling or inquiring, once they get something scheduled, they quit looking. Absolutely. That's what you want. That's what you're looking for. If you can't answer the phone, you want them to quit looking and wait for you. And then that's, the, that's the hardest part. I mean, and one of the reasons that, you know, and so you talk about, so we built Gigabook way before it's time. Calendly had just come out. I remember exactly. when people, I, and I remember kind of laughing at their model. I was like, how is this going to succeed? Now it's a billion dollar company, you know, Hey, you know, shit happens. But but with that, one of the things, so I get offended. I have a sense of, 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 of efficiency that often gets offended. And you also look at some of these tools. So if you're a small business owner, you're trying to streamline things and maybe you can't afford to pay someone to sit there and do all that stuff manually. Um, you know, you look at how much time is wasted in email threads where people like, okay, so people have gotten a lot better about booking links now. But like three years ago, I would send people, I'd be like, hey, click this link, pick a time. And sometimes people would reply, they're like, yeah, I don't do this kind of stuff. And I'm like, you just need to pick a time and put your name in, you know, and, and, and there's a level of adoption. Now, I almost think now when I communicate with people, if they don't give me a booking link to, to click, I feel that's kind of rude. Um, but you look at all the time that goes back. You're like, well, I'm available next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Oh, well, that doesn't work for me. What else do you have? And like, and there's this time arbitrage that occurs in and around your business that gets really expensive. And then the missed opportunity. Now, for so many businesses, <clears throat> there's businesses that provide maybe a one-off service and you know, even more of a reason to get those people on the calendar. But it's so hard, I think, for a lot of business owners to really know and understand what's the opportunity cost that you're creating by not being responsive. And you know, for businesses that have have ongoing services and keep clients and don't want to churn them, that's high. I mean, at full scale, you know, our average client's spending about $20,000 a month, missing one of those opportunities for just an average size client. If we miss four of those in a year, that's a million dollars a year in revenue. That's exactly right. If you look at about like what is our ICP, the ideal customer profile, 
are the ones that high opportunity cost or high hourly rate, like lawyers, right? Like time yeah. is money, like they, they recognize that. Or, well, also with an attorney though, like there's certain things, that's what I was saying, like the stickiness, like most people don't want to switch accountants or attorneys or whatever. So yeah. Yeah. I think what you're hitting about is not that people don't think that they're important. They just don't recognize that it's one of the most important things that you could set up your business for success. If we tell them we onboard so many different business, the first thing we ask was like, do you have a booking link? Do you have a scheduling link? And often they say, oh, we don't. We, uh, we just write down on a piece of paper or something like that. We say, look, we will be happy to set you up on any free online calendaring system. Calendly is one of them. Uh, Acuity, who got acquired by Squarespace is another one. They're free, right? I mean, if yeah. you just have a few people with the basic features, but at least get you connect your calendar. And most people say, oh, I will do it later. So no, 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 don't do it later. Do it now, right? Because it's there, such, there is no later. There's, there's only no now. Later, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. the gratification for your potential customers to know that they secure a spot on your calendar they are not going to look elsewhere. Yeah, that's the beauty. Well, some of this too, when you like, you look at customer service in general. So let's just say it doesn't even matter what you do. Someone fills out a form. If they get a response that isn't just a robot, right? That isn't just, hey, we received your form. Someone will contact you someday. But they get an actual response that says, hey, this is Matt. I just looked through your ticket. Um, we're a little backed up right now, and I, but I'll get a better response in 36 to 48 hours. People are going to usually be okay with that because they got an actual response. You got an acknowledgement. If you don't have that step in there, um, they get they get angry in a hurry. I think that is where the human touch comes in, right? Yeah. Because a lot yeah. of time people say, yeah, I need someone to come by my house like yesterday. Yep. But what they really want is like, I want someone to come to my place as soon as possible. Now, if you talk to the AI and say, look, we don't have any appointment today or tomorrow, but the AI doesn't have that emotional intelligence or the compassion to say, well, Matt, wow, that's, that sounds really bad. Like your water, water heater just broke and you're, you're flooding your garage. Yeah. Let me get someone to you ASAP. Yeah. But like today is going to be tough. Are you available tomorrow, like after evening? Like, because like our technicians are fully booked up, but your case is really important to us. Like we will try to squeeze you in and get you an appointment tomorrow at 6 p.m. I think that I, I call closing is really important. AI is good for FAQ. What are your opening hours? Do you open on July 4th? But when it comes down to like converting the customer or, or like, like caller to customers, that emotional intelligence is really important. How far away do you think we are from a world where there is a little, I understand that the nature of the machine doesn't give it emotions. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, well, let me back up for a second. So I've been using AI and AI, everything from like, okay, so my first two books that came out and that was years ago at this point, that's 2017. Um, I use people are like, so I wrote two books at the same time. And people are like, how did you do that? Well, I was using transcription uh, technology at the time, which, by the way, was freaking terrible. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was really bad in 2017. Like, it, you know, but so I would, but I sped up things. So I would sit there and I would talk on the different, con you know, and I wanted to keep a voice in the writing. And, you know, some, I had a couple of people that said, well, is that cheating? No, it was still my thoughts. It was just my thing. I can speak a lot faster. Mm -hmm. then I can type. 
and and it was and it was bad in a lot of cases. We had to correct a lot of stuff, and then you see it kind of move forward. And I think the problem that people had with a lot of AI and a lot of AI tools was it could get it ninety five percent of of the way right. But no one looked at the 95%. They looked at the 5% where it was wrong. And they're like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. It's terrible. It doesn't, this, what's intelligent about this? And, you know, like from anyone that builds software, like when people have talked to me about Gigabook, they're like, it only does about 90% of what I need. I'm like, that's, you're winning, dude. That's amazing. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, that's like huge. So you, know, you kind of got to focus on what you got now with, with GPT. And I know that's, you know, driven by open AI, but it is definitely at a different level because it, it does sound very intelligent. Now you translate, now I don't know what your driver is, if it's your own AI or whatever, but that also is verbalized. Like, does it speak? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It does. So let, let me tell you what are the, the biggest limitations of AI today. So the two big problems. Number one, if you go to ChatGPT, you type of questions like, you know, Tell me more about the founders of Full Scale IO, or tell me more about the founders. If you do that, it'll give you the wrong answer. Right, exactly. That's yeah. number one. Is AI hallucination? Like they don't know what they don't know, but they will probably speak in a way that is so confident that sometimes you believe the information that is provided yes. to you. Number two, when you see that AI or the ChatGPT are actually spitting out the words in like almost like they're thinking about it, they're thinking about the next word. That is actually not javascript or any kind of animations it is because they are a gigantic statistical machine that yes. predict the next probable word so they don't really have the understanding they just know like the next word is going to be the most likely one and they will spit it out so that means if you want to deploy in a voice application there will be a latency between five to six seconds for the complete response right before you can actually convert from text to speech now, we all know that five to six seconds is like eternity. People say, wait, are, are you still there? Right. And when it's not there, people start asking the question again. Now you're talking over each other. And that makes the problem even worse. Now, if you believe in Moore's law, that means every year we're going to speed it up by 100%. You go from six seconds to three seconds to one and a half. And that means in a few years, you can get to sub-second kind of latency which is great because now it's becoming interactive. Instead of like you ask a question, you wait for five seconds and you get back a response. Now for the chatbot, you can kind of get away because you can have this like kind of blinking light or like typing indicator that kind of like smooth it out. But for the voice, I think that is difficult. Now on top of that, human has a lot of like contextual knowledge that the AI doesn't. So unless the AI can train on the content is specific to your business, then it can only answer the questions based on the billions of texts or articles or books that they read. So that's another problem that they need to overcome. And you can start seeing like startups like building technologies, like the vector database and some of the stuff that can help business to do that. Now, even with that, like you're in the high tech area, right? Deploying that in the production scale is challenging. It's not easy. So that needs to be some layer that people like smith.ai that can democratize the technology so that if you are a small business owner then you can just use it you don't have to understand you don't have to learn about how to configure all the systems yeah and that's important now 
Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the responsive nature of, of that. Now, before I do that, I want to remind everyone that finding expert software developers doesn't have to be difficult, especially when you go to fullscale.io, where you can build a software team quickly and affordably. You can use Fullscale's platform to define your technical needs and then see what available developers, testers, and leaders are ready to join your team. Fullscale.io to learn more. There's a link for that in the show notes. Click that link to smith.ai as well. You can learn more about Aaron's company, what they're doing. Now, what I wanted to go back to, you know, a few years ago, there was this, this clip that kind of went viral and it was Google's, it was a Google AI. Do you remember this where it was called, it, it was calling it like yeah. called and ordered some Chinese food. And then at another place, it like scheduled an appointment. And I remember this was like two or three years ago. And I just remember going, wow, like I couldn't tell do you, do you remember? Do you know what I'm talking about? So they actually so, it, 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 when, well with that it sounded very much like a real person because you know like they're calling and saying, uh, "Oh, can I? Um, I'd like to order." You know, it had ums and buts and yep. stuff like that. And I don't think I could have. I mean, that response was instant, and that sounded very conversational. I I wouldn't have known the difference. Yeah. I think that was a very, very nicely curated demo. Like they, they launched that in a, in the Google I.O. And I think like shortly after that, they launched a product called CoreJoy. And uh, unfortunately, that was like actually designed for SMB to convert the callers to customers by booking an appointment for them. And unfortunately, CoreJoy kind of folded like after two years because it actually didn't work. Now, if you read the fine prints, they would say, okay, the technology works 80 to 90% of the times. What you don't recognize is it's not 80 or 90% of the call. It's within the call. They can only understand 80 to 90%. That means every single call, there's an error rate of 10 to 20%. And, and that's pretty high for that. That yeah. is very, very high yeah. because if you're a business, you get 100 calls per week, you're losing 10 to 20 calls. It, it almost feels like the system is making a mistake every single day. And that, I think that was the gap in understanding that. Now, if you can fine tune the model for one single business, I'm sure they can get to 90 or 95%, but the technology doesn't scale that way, unfortunately. You know, what it, you mentioning that made me think, so I have two Teslas, they're both self-driving and um, you know, that's not as common here as it might be in the Bay Area, but mm -hmm. I've had so many people ask me questions about it and they're like, well, does that seem weird? Well, it does for like the first two days because you have to learn to trust it. And I feel like that with any AI, especially like with what you do or as a business owner, like let's keep in mind, like it's that, it's that, like that old uh, example that a happy customer might tell a couple people an upset one tells dozens um, so, you know, people are going to hear, business owners are going to hear about the horror stories that they had rather than the good ones. And yeah. And so once you realize that the Tesla is going to stop at the stoplight, and then in some cases it may, it's kind of weird too, because it actually stops short of the stop sign. Like the law says you should. Mm -hmm. And at first you're like, what is this thing doing? It's not even all the way to the stop sign. And then you're like, oh yeah, you're supposed to stop in front of it. But yeah. I think that, that that's, I would imagine that that is an important part of this kind of stuff with anyone's business. Because if you don't trust the technology that you're using, or you don't trust the systems that are in place, 
or you find yourself explaining them to people a lot or cleaning up the mess that they create, it becomes a negative or a, or a zero sum kind of thing. And if you're not picking up efficiency, business, bookings, it's like one of the things I learned with Gigabook as well is the scheduling component itself is worth a little bit. But if you could actually find the business and then schedule it, oh man, you go from like $15 a month to hundreds of dollars a month. Um, and then I also unfortunately learned that not enough business owners understand that saving money is making money. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll be more focused on the revenue growth in some cases, but they've got this massive inefficiency. And that could be with anything from customer service to missed opportunities to the whole nine yards. So they're overspending on the backside. So sometimes a couple of things, and then maybe the best part of it is just a little peace of mind. Like most small business owners, especially when it comes to appointment booking and scheduling, and this is where, whether it's Gigabook or Acuity or Calendly, get something going people because people don't want to talk to you. I've had people that are like, oh, they like my personal touch. No, they don't. They want to schedule an appointment and go back to doing whatever they're doing. Make it possible. Once they do it one time, they'll understand it forever. Yeah, I think what you're seeing is a lot of the business are having a very large leaky bucket, right? So we work with a lot of marketing agencies. They always complain to us and say, look, we're doing good work for them, but the business owner is not happy. I said, why is that? Because every time we send a click or a call to their business, they don't pick up the phone. They don't respond to the click. And so like they said, oh, the marketing campaign wasn't effective. But when we work with the agencies, we can say, look, you don't have to ask your client to staff a 24-7, like always on receptionist or like inside salesperson. We can combine with your campaign so that every single call or every single click to your website, we can catch them, we can convert them, we can qualify them. That's one thing. But it's funny because like I have two Teslas and um, the, we're still in the autopilot stage, meaning... You don't feel comfortable. You want to put your wheels, uh, hands on your wheels because you worry that it may not do the right. I don't want to put my hand on the wheel. I hate that. I wish they'd take that off. If I, if you're, so you know, if it's self-driving, you have to like nudge the wheel. Yeah, exactly. And it gets yeah. mad at you. Yeah, and I get in trouble for not looking because it has a little camera above your rear view mirror that I makes know, sure you're actually watching the road. It's not yeah. fully, it's not self-driving yet. It's, yeah. it's attempting to. Yeah. I think today, that's why you see a lot of the AI solutions that claim that can be 100% fully automated. Like yeah. you still need, like I call it a human oversight or supervision, mm-hmm. or you want to make sure, because like you said, if you misqualify or you lose a call, a lead for full scale, it could be talking about $20,000 per month. That is, if you lose four of them in a month, that you, you lose a million bucks. Like you really want to make sure the system it's like 99.9% instead of 92%. Yeah, 92% wouldn't get me real excited. Um, you know, there's, there's, it's such an interesting world. Now, let's just talk about AI in general, because I know that's such a hot topic right now. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because I saw this graph the other day that was, you know, overall right now for venture capital and private equity that's pouring into startups, uh, it is about 20 to 1 in favor of AI stuff and as opposed to the rest of the field. Um, how, how sustainable is that? I think this is go back to like, we've been around the blocks, right? I mean, like early 2000, it was like internet, web, right? Yeah. 
and then it you feels bubbly it. is why i ask it's bubbly right you get yeah. the, the, the mobile right when 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 apple launched the first iphone in 2007 it got the social media right and now we're at the ai stage i think there's a lot of companies that will get funded just because they have the ai in the name or ai in pitch deck but they probably don't really leverage that scale but for us that is the core of what we do because the more ai and the technology that we can deploy the less that we need the human, right? So we're the AI first company, but we also say, look, we need a human in the loop so that we can make sure that like 99.9% .9 of the conversations are done right. So if you think about the venture kind of landscape, that is the time where you will have a lot of investments. And after year two, people say, okay, now that everyone has the AI in the pitch deck, what are we going to do, right? That makes me think. So we were out at, uh, out in your neighborhood in 2019 for TechCrunch, and our joke by the end of the first day, we were just attending, but we went around and you know they have a main exhibitor hall and there's a bunch of people talking about their startups. And by the end of the first day, we were joking because everyone was like, "Our machine learning algorithm," and and I'm sitting there talking. And I'm like, "There is no way there is a real machine learning anything in this." So, you know, we're at, we're out at dinner that night and they're asking what, you know, what salad dressing. And we're like, my machine learning algorithm says I should probably go with blue cheese here. But it was like, it was in every, I mean, it was nine out of 10 places we talked to were pitching some, and that was pretty clear that that was a trend that went with it. Cause you know, like some of it, I don't know, there was just no way. Yeah. Uh, yeah I do I, believe there are certain companies that will benefit greatly from the AI, right? If you take away the AI, you say, is this problem is still worth solving? Are people, yeah. are the business people, are the business owners paying you for solving the problem? Will adding AI significantly move the needle so that you can deliver it faster, cheaper, and more effectively? Yeah. And that is the thing that we need to ask instead of just saying, oh, I have this AI copy generator, which is like a nice skin on top of ChatGPT. Yeah. Well, there's a big difference between a lot of types of AI and generative AI. And you know, what Aaron was alluding to earlier is, you know, when you look at chat GPT, it's not as, in, quote, intelligent as it's not really thinking about anything other than what's the most, pro what's the, the highest probability word that I should put next. And at, through, you know, reading the internet, basically, it's able to assume that, which is also why it, it usually doesn't require grammar corrections mm -hmm. and do a lot of stuff. It's pretty smart in that regard. That's the thing I like about it actually, is that um, it gives you a, it, it, you know, it's not, it's not a goofy response, but it's just predicting what the next word should be. It's not truly thinking about it. It's not like the models that are sitting there playing chess all day or go or something like that, that are actually thinking and having forms of strategy and understand a win as compared to a loss. And, you know, that's a completely, I mean, can you validate that that is in fact a different approach with AI? Like chat GPT is just predicting words. Yeah. I think that is why we're still in the very first inning of the AI. Like that is like kind of the foundation. And I'm sure that people at Google or Microsoft are still building things that will say, can we actually understand what people are talking about? Yeah. Can we actually be intelligent instead of just predicting the best or most likely word after this word? Yeah. Yeah. It's been very interesting to watch the news feed over the years. Like I remember, I mean, it's been five or six years, but I remember when Twitter was experimenting with something, they put it up and they asked people to 
to converse with it through tweets. And because people are mean and have nothing better to do, it turned it into like a racist hate bot in like two hours, you know, and they turned it off. And then they had another one where they had two AI that were speaking to each other and it invented its own language amongst itself to turn it back. I remember they, they, this, the, the engineers kind of freaked out and just basically unplugged the thing. They didn't know what to do with it. And, you know, we'll, we'll see where all that goes. It's a definitely a very interesting horizon. As far as AI in general goes, do you think that that, that, that like, as mentioned, the generative piece, like, I mean, how influential is that going to be for startups in general in the next 10 years? I think it's a, a game-changing technology, you will see that like you start looking at the content we call like garbage in, garbage out, right? If you yeah, put yeah. gorgeous in, gorgeous out. Like right. if you can feed the language model with good content. Now, even in any companies, I'm sure like we, we use Notion and you may use other kind of like knowledge-based kind of like management system. A lot of the times, there are contents that are outdated. A lot of the times that are contents that are contradictory. Now, if you fit that into the system, no matter how good your generative AI is, it will generate a confusing response yeah. or it will give you the wrong content or the wrong answer. So that is the part I think like you need to combine like good content or good knowledge base with the language model so that it can converse with your team or your support agents or wherever that needs to consume the content. But in the next, like I would say five to 10 years, I think there will be technology that can say, wait a minute, like we found these two articles that are telling contradictory information. Can you go and clean that up? Or we find that like these are the two pieces of content that are like 80% similar. Which one is more updated? Can you combine them? Can you merge them? Can you consolidate them? You mentioned the garbage in, garbage out. I think that's the perfect uh, uh, buzz line for the human interaction. And I've talked about this a lot on the show and other episodes that you know, AI models, they, in many cases need, especially early need to know what is right and what is not because they can get real haywire. I can't remember the episode, but I was talking to one guy about, uh, in some cases, if that doesn't occur, you literally have to reset the whole model and kind of start over from scratch because it learned the wrong way. It's the same way as a child that grows up in a odd environment, you know, and it's like, I don't know. I mean, there's people out there that have, a lot of interesting beliefs about a lot of interesting things and they're entitled to certainly do that. But why do their kids often have that same belief? It's because that's the way they were programmed from when they were young. So exactly right. So if you think about it on top of that, it makes it even more challenging if you are a business, because now you you need to learn how to ask the right question. They call it the, the prom engineering. How can you write good questions, a good problem. And that's going to be the hard part. That is going to be a hard part because yeah. the knowledge might be there, the answer might be there, but if you did not ask in a correct way, you mm-hmm. may not be able to get the answer. Well, there's an, you know, if you call, to, so right before recording this, I actually uh, booked a call with an electrician uh, to come out to a property I've recently purchased. And, you know, that the, that the lady was great at answering questions, but was not very good at selling stuff. And mm-hmm. that's a completely different approach. I think a lot of times people are good at answering, like you mentioned, the knowledge questions, but remember you want to do business. And some of these are simple things like, do you want to book an appointment? When can we come out and give you an estimate? 
you know, like, or just simple things. And I, I mentioned it, it's probably a good time to remind everyone that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io. We do a whole lot of stuff, folks. We can help you with some AI, probably not as much as, as some places because it is still emerging technology. Once again, with me today is Aaron Lee, co-founder and CEO at Smith.ai. Go to Smith.ai, link in the show notes for that. You know, Aaron, here we are. I told you these. I told you before we hit record that these things go kind of fast. So <laughs> we're is. here at the we're here at the end of the episode. This episode was not created with AI. Um, I'm still looking for a solution to replace myself on the show, if that'll be the case. I'm willing to give it a shot. But uh, you know, it's time for the founders freestyle, which is uh, my guest's opportunity to recap some of the things that we talked about, or maybe things we forgot to talk about. I mean, what's what from this conversation or what, I mean, what, what stood out, what are the important things that matter for people wanting to get into this space, whether it's with Smith.ai or just in general? Yeah. I think if you, you're running or building a startup, one of the most important things that you need to understand is like the early customers matter. You need to capture the voice. You need to understand the pain points and every interaction that they make with you because you're operating at a smaller scale, it's important. So at Smith.ai, we, we have inbound, which is like answering services. We also have outbound that we can actually call to our customers. I'll give you an example. So I think last year we were doing a annual campaign, which means like if you pay or prepay a year ahead, we'll give you a discount. So we call our customers using our team I think on the last day of the year, probably the worst time to call people, right? 31st December. And we closed more than a million dollars for the commitment that people wanted to pay because it shows that if you are willing to get the human touch to the people, you're willing to explain why this is beneficial for them for tax purposes or cost savings and whatnot, like people will respond and they will respond quickly because when you talk to someone on the phone, they're giving you the undivided attention. So I think like they don't forget about the human touch, even though I know every day you open your LinkedIn or Twitter, it's like 99% of them are AI or AI related stuff. The human touch is really important. So don't forget about that. Number two, AI is rapidly evolving. Whatever things that cannot be done today, it may be viable tomorrow, next year. Right. So I would say keep in touch with the technology. Look at how other people are using the technology, how other companies are leveraging the AI, like both on the people side, the process side, and also the like sometimes like even brainstorming. I think that is important. Yeah, for my freestyle, I got a couple things here. First off, um, missed opportunities for me are the ones that always feel the most painful. And sometimes you don't even know you're missing them. You know, um, I, I think that. Um, a lot of people still say things like, oh, I want to talk to a person or I don't want a robot. Uh, maybe try the robot, figure it out. Um, you know, for those of you that, that run a business and you say, well, we're not really a technology kind of place. Why not? Um, you learned how to be a carpenter. You learned how to do something else. Like you might have to, things that are worth doing and worth pursuing require a little bit of effort. The good part about tools like this in your business is usually when you get it right, it's right. And the thing that I love, you know, people ask, have asked me, they said, well, I'm trying to sell my business as a service company or something. And they're like, I get this shitty multiple. Why does software get so much? 
Software shows up to work every day. It'll work 24-7 for you. It'll answer the phone at 3 a.m. If it's done well, it mm-hmm. doesn't have sick days. It doesn't have a lot of problems. So therefore, it is very scalable. And if you want to grow your business, like keep in mind, like, so I think that there is there is a value ratio that it equals an infinite an infinite sum. And that's what is your peace of mind worth? And I think that that's the biggest problem that, that I think a lot of business owners know in the back of their head that they need to be doing something better or different. They either just don't want to do it because it requires, it's not their favorite thing to do. You can solve a lot of this with modern technology. I think AI in general has never been more accessible and reachable for folks. Like I love what you're doing, especially for the group of people that you're doing it. Uh, for because those are also jobs that are very difficult to fill with the right people, um, mm-hmm. you know, and that's that's the thing too. And what I love about these kind of solutions is when you talk about scalability or whatever, let's talk about uniformity. You can get it to mm-hmm. answer the same question again and again and again and again and again, and that's yep. a big thing. So, man, I really like what you're doing. Uh, uh, keep it up. Keep it up. Yeah, thanks, so if you want to learn, appreciate that. Yeah, if you want to learn more, go to smith.ai. A lot of great solutions. If you want someone to help you build a software solution, fullscale.io, we're there for you too. Aaron, I'm going to I'm gonna check up with you down the road and we'll see what kind of advances and solutions we've come up with compared to what we're at today. Awesome. I would love that. Yep. Thanks for joining me. All right. Thank you so much, Matt. Take care. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.